Brutas Network. Hi, this is Devin Trap with the Free Brutas Network. Today we bring you another episode of Fireside Chats. In this episode, I sit down with JF Dubow and Amy Frost to talk about their new project, Aquello. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fireside Chats, an interview podcast for the Freebooters Network. Uh, today I sit down with esteemed author J.F. Dubow and uh, America's next top podcaster winner for season one, Amy Frost. Hi guys. Uh, so J.F., can we start by just uh, doing a little introduction? Tell us a bit about yourself and uh, and your, your background. Uh, I just give a chance to laughing that you call me esteemed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my my uh, my background. Well, essentially, um, I'm a an aspiring writer, or I, I'm a writer aspiring to get to a professional level. I have so far published two books, with a third one coming out early in 2020. I originally started writing science fiction, but my second book was horror, and that seemed to have garnered much more of an audience. So I'm really leaning into it. In fact, I'm leaning into anything that an audience tells me is good because I am craving and, and just starved for approval and validation. <laughs> and yeah, that's it. So uh, that's what else do you want to know, Devram? Oh, that, that's a good intro for now. Uh, Amy, what about yourself? Um, I am... I guess I'm a podcaster now. I guess that's a thing that I am. Uh, I was a competitor on America's Next Top Podcaster, the, as far as we know, first podcast reality show. uh, And I won season one. And so here I am. And everyone said, you should be doing this more. So I said, okay, I guess I will. (laughs) Uh, So now you guys have uh, teamed up together to put together this new project called Aquilo. Uh, can you talk a bit about what it, it's all about and uh, and and what kind of drove you to put this all together? So the story of Aquilo is it's about a young woman named Miriam, and she is having a time. Everything in her life is absolutely falling apart. And just when she thinks that she's hit rock bottom, um, an envelope arrives and she learns that she has this distant relative who lives in this far off little town called Aquilo that she's certainly never heard of and the internet barely knows is there um and that she's inherited a little coffee shop there so she decides that since everything at home is just the worst that she's going to she's going to pick up and and go see what's there uh her hopes are that she can sell it and sort of get back on her feet but it turns out that aquilo is unusual it's not your normal place and weird and wonderful things wind up there and it doesn't really like to let them go so there's a lot of stuff that goes on there's subtle magic coffee bizarre people the occasional demon and baked goods that sounds awesome uh so what kind of um got you guys together to, to put this project together that that one's kind of my fault i amy and i have actually been podcasting together for about four years uh, we mostly did a an over uh, a podcast about the game Overwatch, which is just our excuse to play the game and chat chit chat once a week um, about nerd stuff. And when I listened to her appearances on America's Next Top Podcaster, she, I immediately realized that she'd been holding out on me as far as podcasting talent, like her voice work, her editing capacity, her producing capacity, like every, everything about what she does for podcasting. She was just completely phoning it in 
for 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 our our podcast, which is fine. I mean, like I said, this is just an excuse for us to goof around. And but then I realized I can use this, <laughs> <laughs> and because I I had been toying around with the idea of doing something audio because it has been for almost what two and a half years since I released a book because the process of editing a sequel is super long and everything like the publishing industry is slow, but I really want to be able to do something to connect with my audience again and just have the liberty of writing without being overseen by a publisher. But as you can probably hear from how I'm talking right now, a, an audio podcast for me would have been really painful to endure so when i heard amy doing her reads for some of the episodes that she was working on for america's next top podcaster i said perfect i found the person who's going to be doing this for me because i can write something for amy i know her well enough to know what she likes and what she can or can't do as as a as a character if you will um and before she blows up and becomes just this <laughs> podcasting powerhouse i can jump on that bandwagon and and sort of force her to be uh, to, to be stuck with my property i don't know that i see it the same way but okay having spent this all this time together uh just doing it for fun um you kind of have similar sensibilities in in humor and uh you, you kind of like the same sort of things it just it just seems to work out well. That's all. Yeah. No. We are we are decidedly partners in crime and have been for quite some time. And so that works out because not only do we both sort of pretty much know what the other is going to think of something before we start talking about it, it also makes it a lot easier with when you know we don't agree on something and you know we can be like, well, I don't know that this works. What about this? Or you know, and then it doesn't happen too often, but when it does, it it makes it a lot easier because we already know and trust each other. So, you know, we we can we can sort of value each other's opinions a little extra. And and there is the the added bonus that when there is a disagreement, we can ask the very very crucial question of how important is this for you? Right. Which if like if let's say for example, I write a specific poem a certain way as promotional material for a podcast. I can express that it's important to me that it have that particular way of being. And if we want to revisit it, it's something that Amy likes better later. We'll do that. Yeah. So it, it we understand each other in a, in a very functional manner that way. Okay, well, can I ask how you guys met in the first place and, and kind of what uh, drew you together? So it's, it's funny because that was a collaboration too. Um, we were both part of the same... Um, Facebook community for a podcast network. And back then they used to do t-shirts every year. And I had an idea for the shirt and I like, I, I went to art school, but I went for sculpture. I can't do anything useful. So I I posted like, Hey, I have this idea and I need someone that's good with design to help me. And JF was like, yeah, I mean, that's what I do for a living. So I, I guess I could do it. And that's how we met. That is legitimately how we met. Um, and then we used to play, you know, and then we started playing games online together and things like that. And, and that was kind of it. And that's, it's like, I don't know. We've just always been 
Like once we met, it was like, all right, well, we're friends now, I guess. <laughs> Best friends for life. <laughs> well, we started playing a lot of Cards Against Humanity online on Saturdays and, yeah. and just getting drunk with a bunch of other people. and That'll form bonds. Yeah. <laughs> our, our little group um, became pretty tight for a little while until well, that game kind of fizzled out. But when that fizzled out, we picked up Overwatch and started doing our own thing. So mm-hmm. it all worked out in the end. Excellent. Uh, so the town of Aquilo plays a major part in this production that you've put together. Um, is this uh, an actual town? Like, where, where did you come up with the idea for the town? Um, even the name of the town is so unusual. I mean, it's it's almost hard to... Uh, it's, it's not hard to remember. It's, it's easy to remember, but it's just an unusual name. So where, how did that all come about? There's a lot of layers to that. The, the town of Aquilo does not exist. It is extremely loosely based on a very small town here in Quebec, well, half in Quebec, called uh, BB Plains, which is it's a city that literally sits on the border between Canada and the United States. Um, in the sense that there, I, I exaggerate the theme in Aquilo, but I wanted, I wanted something weird. I wanted something very Twin Peaks-esque. I wanted, I wanted a bizarre little city where bizarre little things happen and everybody just accepts them. So having a city that just sits on the border between two countries, especially two countries that are kind of culturally both the same and different as the as Canada and the US, it it just makes for a very fun first step into weirdness. And then I can toss in whatever other cults or bizarre you know, urban legends I want into it. So the the inspiration is just I wanted a setting where I could have freedom to both have this this very normal veneer painted on front on, at the front of the city, but the moment you look behind, I can season after season reveal more weirdness that we can use. So if if you've ever uh, if you've ever seen the the television series Era, Erie Indiana or Again, going back to Twin Peaks, it's it's very much much inspired on that quintessential bizarre town. Okay. As for the name for Aquilo, I there's when I was developing the lore for the for the sort of the 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 city, um, there is this tree that is fictional and does not exist called an Aquilo. And there's lore behind it that I don't want to dig into <laughs> too much because it's it's not super important to the to the, to most of the stories. It's just kind of like part of the it's the very very deep DNA of of the the setting for the stories, but it's not something that influences day to day things for for Miriam and her her story. Uh, so uh, you mentioned that it's a town or based loosely based on a town that borders between Canada and the U.S. and that there's differences in those cultures. Uh, is, is this an American town that you're fiction? Like, are you on the American side to begin with? Is is there going to be any sort of um, like cross country um, uh, activities or anything that kind of takes place like that? Well, Miriam starts in Montreal. Uh, that's where she lives. That's where everything falls apart. Um, and the the border physically runs directly through the center of town and is very clearly marked. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of crossing that goes on and that sort of thing. Um, but it's just, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, right from the very beginning that this town, that this town is different 
And at first it's for this very sort of logical reason that there's this weird international border that runs right through the center of town, but it turns out that there's a lot more going on than that. I'm, I'm super excited about this project. Um, I can't wait to get into it. Uh, when's the official uh, release date? So episode one will be available on uh, Halloween, October 31st. Um, right now, you can go to aquilo.com, um, or if it's, depending on when you listen to this, if it has come up into any of your various uh, podcatcher feeds, it is also on the feed. But JF and I did, a couple months ago, we did a Q&A where our friends and family that we had sort of let in early on the project submitted questions to us about Aquilo and the world of Aquilo and the project. And we we did a little audio Q&A together, um, answering some of those questions, some of them better than others, and some of them were more on topic than others. But uh, we did our sort of our first little dive and it was interesting to find out what, what people wanted to know. Um, but yeah, so Halloween and it'll be uh, weekly Season one is going to be 15 episodes, and uh, we're hoping that it goes pretty well so that we can have a season two. Yeah, because there's definitely a lot I want to tell about the, the the character and the story. And one of the things that's been interesting, like today I received from Amy the, the first raw audio for the, the first episode so I could review it, and it's, it's doing exactly what I want it to be, where... Even though I, I create the character, I write the story, I basically give Amy sort of a, I don't want to say a script, but the, the, the story is told from the first person perspective of Miriam before. So she's basically reading as the character. But even though I feed her all the words, the, the way she reads it influ- influences who that character is going to be. And already it's, I don't want to say diverging, but it is fleshing itself out in an ex- unexpected way that is very interesting to me. So it's it's... What's going to be fun is that it's going to create kind of a back and forth as I re as I write further episodes. I've I've already got a lot of the first season written, but as I adjust and create more going forward, I'm taking Amy's sort of creative input just by how she's reading it and incorporating it into the character. So it's more of a collaborative process rather than just you write and she she reads. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, um, it, go ahead. Yeah, no, so uh, JF's written it and he sends it to me for an editing pass. And one of the things that we've discovered, because I've read uh, I've read a lot of the stuff that JF has written. Um, I've done beta reading for, for him and things like that. But this is different because it is specifically being written to be read out loud. And so some things that work really well on a page or sound, you know, sound very, you know, they, they look good and, and they flow well on a page. They don't sound good they're impossible to say um i forget what line it was it was a oh uh i stairwell and heralding are two words that come next to each other in the first episode and it turns out that i could not say them (laughs) concurrently with any sort of accuracy which was an adventure um but there's an Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but there's an interesting story about how i think it's stephen fry who did the audiobooks for uh, harry potter was given a line that he just couldn't say. Yes. Very much the same way. And apparently J.K. Rowling made a point of including those exact words in every single book after. I was actually just about to bring that up, and I was going to ask you, is this something you plan on doing going forward? Like, maybe not every episode, but definitely every season at least once. 
he didn't know until just now. So <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's this is one of those this is one of those things that it, it, it sounds like a really funny anecdote, and you go, oh, how you know how tongue in cheek, how funny of these creative people to you know tease each other. Uh, but at the same time, being a creative artist myself and knowing how it feels to have a an, an useless um, hurdle to jump over, how annoying and painful that is when you're trying to create a quality product, having someone intentionally put that hurdle in front of you over and over again, just as this, just as a joke, just to amuse themselves. Um, no, that does not endear me to. <laughs> I mean, I I'm not a huge fan of Stephen Fry, but that kind of thing would not endear me. It did not endear me to J.K. Rowling at all. I found that was what one would call a dick move. <laughs> so no, I'm not. I'm not going to do that to the person that I want. Like I I want Amy to be happy to do these readings so that she does the best job she can and she's interested in like putting in more of her, her own creative energy and, and, and having her own ideas and so that we have a good working relationship for this project. Um, you know, poking at her with a, a hot iron rod is not, not going to help that. Um, have you found it difficult or a challenge at all to change your style of writing from a purely uh, book or novel into something that's more of like a play? Well, what really helped is that the first book I published, The Life Engineered, was written from first person point of view. So I already knew sort of the some of the basic mechanics of writing from that point of view and, and writing a more of a narrative story. Uh, when it came to writing Aquilo, the, the biggest challenge wasn't so much the point of view as being able to cut the story into episodes and having each episode have its own story structure. Mm -hmm. So basically, because I don't want, like, I, when if I'm just writing a book that's going to be read as an audiobook, I don't need to leave every 5,000 words with, with a cliffhanger or a reason for the reader to come back. I should be doing that every chapter, but loosely, like, it's not as important. Meanwhile, for a podcast, every episode needs to end with somewhat of a question or a cliffhanger or, or a tease, something that's going to convince the reader to come back. But they still need to feel like they, they, they've, they've gone on at least some amount of a journey during that half hour episode. So it's, 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 a, it's structurally very bizarre for me to, to tackle it, but it's been, it's been a fun challenge. I hope I get better at it the more seasons I do. And uh, Amy is the only person who's narrating at this point. Do you have any plans in further episodes to maybe expand the cast of characters? Or will it purely be this project is just from, from Amy's point of view or the Miriam's point of view? For this season, certainly. Uh, it's pretty much just Miriam's point of view. Um, but we've, you know, like whatever, what comes down the road, you know, who knows? Um it's there there's been a couple cool ideas that have been tossed around but uh this is this is ultimately miriam's story um and so i will ultimately be the one telling it um which is fun because it was it was written specifically for me with my interests in mind and so that you know that makes it really personal to me and and really special and so like for me to let it go to someone else would be it would be hard even though we're you know barely into it but i'm like no this is this one's mine. I, I wasn't talking, you know, giving up 
the the role of Miriam no, no, no. to someone else. But I mean, just including someone else as like a side character to kind of add an additional voice, so you're not the only one pulling the weight. Basically, was my question. Yeah, no, and we've talked about doing like side stuff for that because there are a lot of sort of intertwining. You know, there's it's a small town, so everybody has their own their own life and their own story within this town. So we've talked about doing like some side things eventually that that could be some of these other side stories that would be other people. Um, but but the bulk of it is going to be me. Yeah, the the, the way I, that's exactly what I was going to say is like we we have talked about doing side things, and if we see that a character that is not Miriam is, is getting a lot of attention, people want more about it, we may decide between the two of us to write like a, a short story and get someone else to do that voice, or maybe write that story from Miriam's perspective. Also, uh, she can be not just the narr- narrator of her own story but the narrator of other stories but ultimately all the production because one of the things that we do describe the show as is sort of a a cross between an audiobook and a radio play which gives amy a lot of opportunities and and freedom to get creative so if she decides at for for an episode for any reason that one character needs to be voiced by someone that she recruits and and basically brings into the show that's i mean obviously she'll talk to me about it and we'll discuss it but that's definitely like a production decision that she can make what is your like you said uh, if it does well if if this if it's successful you want to do multiple seasons what's your criteria for success like what what will what will be the determining point of whether you want to carry forward with this or will you like the thing with podcasting is sometimes you create stuff and you just kind of let it out in the world and sometimes people listen to it, but, but you're kind of creating it more for yourself than, than necessarily for an audience. Well, from, from my point of view, the, the, the threshold isn't a specific number. It'll, it'll probably eventually be something and it's, it's not a, a financial threshold. It's definitely more of a, are we getting listeners and are listeners engaging? Like, if we have a hundred listeners and they're very engaged and they, they form communities and they, they talk about theories and they, they ask questions, that's to me is just as good as getting ten thousand listeners who don't engage much. It's probably even better though. Then, so the nature of the threshold itself is kind of fudgy and 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 fluid depending on what kind of engagement we want. The one big difference between this podcast and any other podcast we've done before is or i've done before is i've actually been putting putting in some of my uh some of my marketing knowledge and experience into trying to get that audience a bit more not necessarily i'm not trying to sell it as a product but a lot of times it's exactly what you say like we record a thing we put into the world and we hope that organically people find it and if they find it they like it hey fine cool welcome to the gang and that's fine that's great but because I want a Quillow to be multiple seasons, because I want a Willow to be something that lasts and has more of an impact, because I really enjoy what we've created so far for it, I feel that it's worth making sure that as many people who would enjoy the story knows that it exists and is able to 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 get its hands on it. Yeah, and I mean it is ultimately like there's there's no doubt that we are doing this project for us. I mean, that's that's absolutely happening. But we we would like other people to listen to it and enjoy it and 
you know, we can only we can only do it for us, like just for us for so long. Um, well, it's and it's, like it's also something that I've noticed. I, I've always written just for me. My plan was not necessarily to get published when I started writing. And but I am published and I have people seem to like well, some people seem to like some of the things I write. And one of the things that made me discover it is discover is that yes, I can write for myself, and that is fine and dandy. But when I write for myself, things that others might enjoy, there's no reason not to make sure that the people who might enjoy it know it's there. And I've already got people like going back to the initial reason why I wanted to do this is just to be able to connect more with my audience. And now Amy's going to be building her own audience as as a podcaster, going into into this project and other projects she's got or she's she's got on the, on the back burner right now. So if we're going to get an audience, might as well make sure that it's not necessarily as big as possible, but make sure that it's there, that it's solid, that we connect with them. And do you have any plans on moving this out of the podcasting realm and into other media? Like uh, maybe put it put together like a full audio book or a, a published novel based on the, the story? I'll, I'll answer the boring part and I'll let Amy speculate on the on the more <laughs> fun thing. So the one of the advantages of doing this is that as Amy is going to be recording, Amy has shown that she she's capable of putting in a lot of very high quality audio um, when when she, when she's doing podcasts and she's done storytelling things and and like very NPR things, so she can definitely meet the criteria for most audiobook productions. So at the end of the season, we will have essentially a seven and a half hour audiobook of the story. It's going to be structured very episodic, but normally, what I'm fingers crossed, once I listen to the whole season in one go, it'll still feel like an audiobook. It certainly reads that way on like on the page. Like reading it, it just reads like chapters in a book. It doesn't it doesn't read so much as broken apart episodically. I mean, there are jumps at chapter marks, but it's not it's not like their whole in, it's not like a group of short stories. Exactly. So the basic products that we hope to get at the end is definitely a written book because taking the written version and getting it edited pro properly, getting cover design, like we can definitely self-publish a physical book, mm -hmm. but we can also self-publish an audio book. So those are the easy things. So we're definitely going to do that. However, we've been noodling on other things. <laughs> Like Jeff, you're an, uh, a really good artist as well. Is there any plans on making like a, a spin-off comic book based on the the world or the 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 town itself? Hell no. <laughs> it, it's not because I don't want to, but first of all, my illustration style doesn't land itself very well to the visual aesthetics that I have in mind for Aquilo. Mm. Also, I I had a web comic where I did a, a page a week for a whole year. And it was a nightmare. It was absolutely impossible to keep good, consistent quality and be on time. It's just too demanding for one person to do on top of all the other projects I do and working full time and all that. I wouldn't hate seeing it happen. I just don't want to be the one to make it happen. Um, I mean, I, we don't have visual stuff going on, though. Um, no, we have, definitely. We have our Instagram account. Um, that we've been putting out visual teasers for 
um, for a few months now, uh, well before anyone even knew what Aquilo was. Uh, this this stuff just these images just started appearing, talking about the the Aquilo Cafe and um, raccoons and all <laughs> kinds of other weird things. Um, and so, like, and I know JF has a few pieces that he is working on um, that are related to, but they're not like. Like he says, a comic is a ton of work. And yeah, it would be cool. It would be super cool. Um, but it's not really in our wheelhouse to do. Uh, nope. That being said, we do have other cool things in mind. We were, um, you know, because there's a storytelling podcasting is pretty popular right now. And so there's a lot of shows that do, they do live shows. Um, Night Vale does live shows. And, you know, last podcast on the left does live shows. And so, we were toying with what would an Aquilo live show be? And it went to some weird places um, because other than me sitting on a stage and reading a story, what else could it be? And um, we eventually landed on um, JF being in a prop dumpster with a puppet raccoon was basically (laughs) where that wound up, what the Aquilo live show would look like, Um, which I think would be pretty, pretty fantastic. I um, I usually hesitate into fantasizing too hard about what would happen if a, a specific project was successful enough to go into any specific direction, but yeah, that's that's one that we're totally indulged right. in, in dreaming about. Sorry, I yeah. interrupted you. No, and the the potential for other stuff is is pretty big. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff about food. Miriam is an aspiring chef, and she inherits this cafe, and food is a very important part of the story. And so the the potential for there to be a cookbook is there um, that exists. So it's we're doing a lot more. I think I think if Aquilo goes into other things, it'll be a lot more sort of out of the box stuff. Um, since you know, like JF said, doing doing a written book and doing an audio book like that's easy, quote unquote, for this particular project. So I think we're we're looking more towards the stranger things. Yeah, you mentioned that it's basically kind of like a, a radio play. What about adapting it into an actual screen, like not a screenplay for a movie, but maybe on stage? Um, I mean, it could happen. Um, I don't know that it would happen. I don't know that it would work as well um, because things get pretty weird. Um, it would take some pretty serious sort of, at least certainly it wouldn't be, if it was a stage show, it wouldn't be, like a direct telling of this story that we're telling this season, certainly. There are other Aquilo stories that I think could probably work, but I, I for this season it would it would be it'd be a little unbelievable to do live. But but that's one of the things that's kind of beautiful about the setting of Aquilo and the way we're telling this, the fact that we're doing seasons and just the the flexibility of the story of Miriam is we if if we find that there's a demand, if we find that some somehow it would be interesting to have a stage play, we can write a story specifically for that stage play. It doesn't have to be a retelling of existing material. Mm-hmm. Whenever we create something new that touches in a diff to a different medium for Aquilo, you know, God willing, we get to the point where we're allowed to do that. It every one of these new things can be a new story. That's why the, the low hanging fruit is adapting the existing material into books and audio audiobooks. 
But if we were to do, if we were to have people volunteer to make a uh, to, to to illustrate uh, a comic, we could write an original story for that. The same thing for for a stage play. We could do a equal musical, <laughs> and that would still work because it is the, this kind of weird, flexible, fluid setting that we can play with. And and just going back to the idea of like, I I, I usually stop myself from daydreaming too much about possibilities like that because I am very easy to get going on these things. Like I get carried away and then when nothing happens, I get disappointed. But on the other hand, one of the things I'm discovering is that especially for a project that I have more control over, uh, like Aquilo compared to say the books I'm publishing is having these dreams allows me to sort of have a direction and a goal, which really helps with the motivation. Well, those are all the questions that I had for today. Thank you for coming and joining us on Fireside Chats and talking about this amazing project. I can tell you, I'm certainly very much looking forward to hearing it and I can't wait to get, uh, to get the, the word out at least to our audience that, uh, that it's coming. Uh, do you guys have any last, uh, anything you want to, kind of talk about uh before we end the the episode actually i wanted to segue into um because you, you and i just off the record have talked about about podcasting in general and the many ways to how how to get an audience how to expand an audience and one of the things that i want to bring out one of the things that amy and i in four years of podcasting for overcast have never done but <laughs> should have done and you should do it and we certainly will be doing it for for aquilo is a and and this is the easiest thing and yet the hardest thing to get is getting the audience to to subscribe and rate and review i've been publishing for about what four years now and if there's one thing that people underestimate it is the easiest thing it is free to do just going on, in, in the case of podcasting, going on iTunes, giving a four or five star review, five preferably, and just give, giving a small review, just saying, I like this. It doesn't need to be any more than that. It, the, the impact is ha- it has both just, just on the morale, being able to go see and say, hey, people are saying nice things about us, but also just on how it influences algorithms and, and allows people who are interested in this to find this these stories and find these podcasts it's it's priceless yeah and the same goes for social media like click that share retweet button or whatever um because it it does it makes a huge difference because if you share it and one person that you that sees it from you then listens like that's huge especially you know in the beginning when you're trying to build an audience yeah because i don't trust facebook when facebook says hey maybe you'll like that but I do trust my buddies. I trust you, Devram. I trust Amy. I trust all my friends when they say, hey, this is something you'd enjoy. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things that as we're getting closer to launch, is it, my, my you know, evil lizard marketing brain keeps thinking like, <laughs> I, you need to get people to share and rate and review these things. And right now I'm bringing it up with nothing. Like I've got nowhere to send people to review my things, but you can all certainly do the same for Devrim and go rate and review his shows on his network, on iTunes and everywhere the podcasts are available so that he can get more of a listenership. And that increases, that grows the community you're a part of as a listener. It also allows Devrim to create more shows. 
Yeah, I mean, I've been kind of doing podcasting for the last, I think, five years. We've been, I've had my own podcast with my local friends here in town, and then the last uh, three years with Terrace and the the Freebooters Network. Uh, and that's always something we bring up at the end of our episodes. Is you know, the the more interaction we have with the audience, and especially with in the form of them rating and reviewing. Um, it, it makes a, a huge difference, like you said. Yeah, and now it's not just you plugging it at the end of the show where people are skipping and forgetting and not doing it. Now you have a guest, an esteemed writer, so I'm told, <laughs> telling your audience to do it too because it's freaking important. We, we tend to forget that. Absolutely. Um, do you have anything that you want to, um, other than Aquilo, do you have anything else you want to pimp out before we, uh, before we say goodbye? Not me. Me, it's all Aquilo all the time for next month. Yeah, yeah, for the foreseeable, it's all like Willow all the time. I'll, I'll, I'll probably have more to say once my next book is coming out, but that's in a few months, so. You don't want to talk about any other podcasts you might be on? Say on the Freebooters Network? I mean, sure, I'll be on her podcast, <laughs> but I need to finish scheduling it. No, no, I, I mean like 40K Radio, the, the show you're a co-host on. Oh, yeah, Terrace is going to be mad if I don't do that, Willie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm on that one time. Yeah, I'm I'm on 40k radio as I think they call me the annoying one. And last episode actually we we had Amy because Ashley is is uh is in Japan doing cool things while me and Matt were just twiddling our thumbs. So we figured, hey, might as well get someone else who plays the game to uh to come and talk to us about it. Because <laughs> I don't I don't I I just like. I don't think Matt and I can be in the same room alone for too long. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't bring up any of your, you know, non-Aquilo-related um, hobbies that you guys do other than the Overwatch podcast that you guys had already talked about. Um, you guys have been kind of doing non, uh, non-writing or non-video game-related things as well. But if you want to listen to that, go to the last episode of 40K Radio, which kind of went out, um, I think, Friday as of this recording, like two days ago. And uh, you'll hear them talk about kind of their other hobbies. So thank you for joining us for another episode of Fireside Chats. Uh, thank you to Amy and Jaya for, for coming on board. And uh, we'll see you next time.